Welcome to Moms in the Hub podcast, the one and only podcast for Lubbock moms. I share mom fails, discuss trending mom topics, and highlight amazing parents in the 806. So grab a drink and join me as we navigate motherhood in the Hub City. Make sure to leave a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hello, I'm your host, Danae Hooks. I'm an author, speaker, Love It Moms contributor, and chaos coordinator to three amazing kids. Happy Monday, and I'm so glad that you're here. Um, First, I want to say that we appreciate all of our listeners, all of our followers on Moms in the Hub podcast and Lubbock Moms. Without you, we would not exist. So continue giving us your ratings, reviews, feedback, and recommendations. And I am very excited about today's episode because I have Cabri Carpenter um, from Minimize Then Organize on today. And if you listen to the show, you know that I am a wannabe minimalist. I love to organize I love to get rid of things, and according to my 13-year-old, I also like to buy things. So um, today was just a fun interview for me. It was like therapy, and it's a little longer because I had to ask her all the questions. And Cabri, she is absolutely blown up. You see her all over the place in Lubbock and surrounding areas and beyond. She's at all the Parade of Homes, and people are just, you know, loving her services. She does such a good job. And today she gives some really good tangible advice that you can actually apply in your home. You're going to love this. I loved it. I'm going to do just a quick catch up because this is a longer episode, um, but I do hope you enjoy. We are just coming off of ice week. School was canceled and the weather was supposed to be, I think, a lot worse than what it was, but I am glad that they took precautions and canceled school. However, I did come back from New Orleans on Sunday of last week. So I was exhausted. Sam and I and our good friends, Chelsea and Jason, took a trip. And New Orleans is one of our favorite places to visit. So we went to some of our favorite places, and we also did some some new things that we've never done before. We had a lot of fun. We ate a lot of good food, had some good drinks, listened to some great music. We did some historical stuff. Um, We went to Preservation Hall, which is something we've never done before, which was amazing and very emotional. We did the World War II Museum. We've done that before, but it's, you could never get enough of it because it's just, it's so much information, but it's so good. And we did a pub crawl ghost tour, which was very interesting. Um, It was fun and interesting, and we got to see a lot of different places um, that we hadn't seen. So all in all, it was a great trip, but doing that at 40 and coming home, I was very exhausted and then school got canceled. So we were just really lazy and I did not get much done last week. Um, so it's kind of nice to hang out with the kids and just be lazy, especially being so tired. But that means I have to now catch up this week. So we are like all engines full force ahead, trying to do every single thing that needs to get done this week. Like I said, Cabri gives some really good information. You're really going to love this episode. Um, So enjoy, and I will be back in a couple weeks. Today we have Cabri Carpenter, who is the founder and owner, CEO, all the things of Minimize Then Organize. And if you haven't heard of Minimize Then Organize, then you probably are living under a rock because I see their stuff everywhere, parade of homes, you're blowing up. 
And I'm very excited that you took time out of your very busy schedule to come and talk with me today. Well, thank you for having me. I just need like, I need you to come be my own personal hype person with that intro. Oh, yeah, I totally will. <laughs> so tell tell me just how this all got started and, you know, kind of how it's progressed and what you're doing now. Of course. So there was kind of a couple different things that all happened in my life right about the same time that led us here. The first one, which I absolutely love your desire to be a minimalist. Um, it kind of ties in with this. My first introduction into minimalism and what that looks like is I moved into an RV to live in full time. And if you know anything about RVs, there is not a lot of space, not a lot of storage, and it almost accidentally uh, forces you to become a minimal minimalist. I can see that. So, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm super glad that that part of my life is over, honestly. But that was kind of one of the first things. Um, and then I also had kind of around that same time, I was already living in the RV full time, um, kind of had my hand in becoming a minimalist, getting rid of things, living a simple life. Um, and one of my friends was having a conversation with me and he mentioned, he was like, you know what you would be really good at? And I was just kind of playing dumb, playing stupid. I was like, what, what are you talking about? What's, what's going on here? And he was like, you would be a great home organizer. And I was like, yeah, right. Like no one would pay me to come do that. That's not a thing. Well, sure enough, it sure is a thing. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Literally within about 45 days between having that conversation with him and, um, minimize and organize, like coming to fruition, like it was fast and furious, literally 45 days between those two points. And by then we had a website up, we had social media channels up, we were legal. Um, it was crazy how fast it all happened. And I, I look back on it now and we, you mentioned before we started recording, recording, uh, we just had a five-year anniversary and I literally, it feels like it was yesterday. It does uh -huh. not feel like it's been five years. I, I look back all the time. I'm like, there's no way it just, it has gone by so fast and I absolutely love it. So, yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, I, when I, we go to parade of homes, we love to do that. And I see your name everywhere. So you, how, that's a big deal. So how did that come about? And, you know, did you, have you had to hire a lot more people? Yes and no. So parade of homes, especially if you are familiar with it here in Lubbock, it is one of the I would call it like a coveted event. The people who join, the people who get asked and invited, um, the home builders who are a part of it and kind of the people that they bring along with them to pray to homes is, um, it's an honor, honestly. Uh -huh. And so it was kind of on my goals of like, I want that to be in the five-year plan. Um, and I realized it was year three, I believe, that we had somebody that reached out to us and said, hey, would you like to organize our pantry and stage it for the Pride at Homes? And I was like, oh my gosh, it was crazy exciting because I was still thinking like long-term down the road, this is supposed right. to be a five-year plan. Like I'm not quite prepared for it, but here it is. Opportunity is knocking, so let's do it. And so that first Parade Home was um, really awesome. And we got a lot of exposure. We got to meet a lot of cool people, um, made a lot of connections that I don't know we if we would have been able to make any other way. And yeah. so it's just progressively grown from there. And so with that, yes, our team has grown. And we've had a couple people that kind of step in, decide that it's not for them long term or decide to, you know, go home, raise babies. I can't I can't fault anybody for that. Yeah. Um but we do have a team now who is also raising babies, but also sticking beside me and helping me, which is awesome. 
Well, that's really cool. Um, so do y'all work Monday through Friday or do you work? Cause it seems like your clients might want you on the weekends too, right? Or what yeah, we have like? a pretty flexible schedule. We, um, try to fit as much in during the week just because for myself, um, and for my other two coworkers, like we, we want to honor our time on the weekends. That's normally when you have birthday parties and, um, any type of kids activities that's always going on on the weekends as well. And so we really try to honor that and give some, some time off, but it doesn't always work like that. So yeah. we can be flexible, but normally Monday through Friday, about nine to four, we, okay. we have to work within those confines just with kids and daycare and school and all that. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned earlier, you know, when that your friend brought it up, it is, it is crazy how it's kind of blown up because this wasn't a thing. This definitely wasn't a thing when my parents were young, they would have looked at me like, what are you talking about? And then, you know, the home edit came out and it just like, I don't know, did that, um, what, what do you see as far as the trending goes? You think this is, that was part of it? Or do you think that like, just the minimize, like having more quality time, getting rid of things, that's becoming a very big, big topic as well. Yes. So there was organizers around 20, 25 years ago. We just probably didn't see them the same way that we do now. Um, you would see them on shows like Hoarders, but it was much more a clinical process. Normally you were alongside a hazmat team and a therapist and a psychologist and that kind of thing. Um, now it's a little bit different. We've kind of shifted with, you know, Marie Kondo having a Netflix show and the home edit having a Netflix show and some of the other books that have been released recently. We're seeing it more as an opportunity for people to simplify and streamline their life, but it's being catered more towards a everyday slash luxury lifestyle. So we're seeing a lot more of people thinking about it on a more common basis. Um, if they hadn't ever grown up in a household where that was a priority or, or of importance, it's a lot more of a learning curve and a teaching training tool for them now to learn how to be become organized, how to organize, how to teach their kids how to organize, which is fascinating because I absolutely love seeing it in people's homes. Even people who, you know, hire us for a consult and say, come in, I want to show you these areas. What could we do better here? You can see them making the effort and making the progress before we even step in. Yeah. I love that. I really love that because um, growing up, I felt like things were everywhere in our house. Absolutely. And then for a long time, that's how I lived. And I just became really OCD about it. And now both my husband and I, like when things are put up and in their place and we have less out, less things to organize clean, it brings a calm about our house. Like our house isn't making us anxious. It's like our retreat. And if I have like little piles everywhere, which I'm actually looking at right now and getting anxious, um, I don't feel, I don't feel as good. So it makes you feel good. It does. And it has so many other effects. I mean, a lot of people love the instant gratification and that transformation that you can see immediately, but there's so much more. We have seen like kids who are not struggling with schoolwork just because they have a spot that they can actually clear, clear mindedly sit at and actually work on schoolwork. Um, I'm just going to throw this out here. It's a little TMI. But married couples who declutter things in the bedroom have a better life after the kids go to bed. Yep. You know, those Makes types sense. of things, they all relate. Yeah, there's a science behind it. There's actually there like proof that this helps. So there tell is. me about your process. You know, if a client wants your services, how does that all work for somebody listening? So we always start out with an in-home consult. That is our chance to meet. Like I said, we're talking 
we're going into deepest, darkest parts of your lives. And a lot of the times you're having friends over, you're not showing them that closet or those drawer, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> we always want to meet with them, make sure that they're comfortable, um, give them an opportunity to meet us and make sure that we would be a good fit together. From there, they walk us through the areas that are a priority. We can kind of get an idea on game plan, what we need to make happen in that area, ask them questions. Our consult is also the time that we are trying to pinpoint their specific organizing style. So a lot of people see magazines or you watch the home edit and you say, oh, this is this is what organization looks like. Yes, but no, there is several different organizing styles. And we always try to make sure that we are operating under their organizing style because it's going to be maintained longer and they are going to be able to live in it, thrive in it, survive in it a lot easier than giving them a system that is not designed for them or that's going to naturally work with their tendencies. So that's probably one of the biggest parts during the consult from there. When we are actually jumping into sessions, we kind of have like a phase one. And this is what I would consider your deep decluttering and sorting. Uh And then we have phase two. And phase two is if we're adding product, we're making sure that we get measurements, we're adding labels. That's our final walkthrough. But a lot of times we have that decluttering phase that has to start first. And depending on what we keep or what we get rid of, then we can go into phase two and say, this is how we're going to make it pretty. This is how we're going to make it aesthetic. This is the categories and the containers that we're going to use. This is how it's going to become full circle. I've never thought about the aspect of like kind of learning their organizing style because you're right. Like if you're already kind of moving this direction of the way that you work and live, then it makes sense to like lean into that. Otherwise it's just, you know, learning something brand new and, and that can be very frustrating. I I can imagine. Yes. And we have like, I mean, if you've ever walked into a friend's house and they have stuff all over the walls and they don't mind stuff on their countertops. That's what we would call like a maximalist. They, you know, the, the decor doesn't bother them. They like things to be pretty. There's other people who that causes severe anxiety. So when you walk into their house, you literally, it's like when you walk into their house, it's very simple, muted things on the walls. There's not a lot on the countertops. There is a lot more visual simplicity and lack of visual clutter in that sense. And those are two main key points of organizing styles that you have to fit into their life and make work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if my mother-in-law were listening or on here with us, she, she calls herself a maximalist. So yeah, she, um, and I like, um, I mean, I'm definitely on the minimalist side. I, I want to be even better than what I am, like get a capsule wardrobe for winter and, you know, summer, whatever that looks like here in Lubbock. But, um, if you walked into our house right now, we've been in this house almost five years. You would think that we just moved in because there's not a lot like on the walls because I, when I put up things, I try to be it to be meaningful to me. Like if I look at it, it's gonna make me happy or it's a picture of my kids. It's not just something that I stuck on the wall to fill a space. I absolutely love that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're kind of like a therapist, I think. So (laughs) There are moments when I feel like I am way underqualified for conversations <laughs> that are being had. <laughs> I can't imagine because you said you're people are literally inviting you into the, the dark corners of their house like you never know. So they have to completely put their trust in you. And I'm, that's a big thing. I'm sure that's hard at times. It can be, but it has also been the catalyst for some of the best 
conversations and relationships. Like there are people who were originally started out as clients. And when you walk through something like that with them and love on them and they trust you, you just naturally become friends. And so it's been years for a couple of them and we still meet up for dinner. And, you know, sometimes we organize, sometimes we don't, but they're a friend because I, I know parts of their life that probably other people don't. And I get to be there and love on them regardless. Right. I love that. You can come back in. So do a lot of people like initially, you know, you, you set out to organize and then six months later you come in and readjust or how does that work? Yes and no. We have some projects that are going to be a one-off project. They just need one area. And if we do it right, it's our job to not ever have to come back essentially. So if we set it up correctly, match their organizing style, make it to where it's a system that fits with them currently, but also one that they can grow into in the future. Those are the types of projects that we love. Now, on the other side, we have some people who not for any fault of their own, but it's never going to work. Either they're too busy, they have too many irons in the fire, too much going on. You might get that call six months later and say, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I've got too much going on. You already set up the system. Can you just come in and kind of refresh? Um, and that's also pretty pretty typical, pretty normal. I would say we have 50% of people who are a one project only type person and they're good for the rest of time. And then we also have about 50% that they need some sort of refreshment later on down the road. That that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I know like when I do the kids closets, it's like a quarterly thing, you know, so, which makes sense with the rate they're growing and stuff. Um, You said phase two, you kind of figure out the aesthetics and like the bins or whatever you're going to be using. Do you, is there a particular one that you prefer? Cause I know like people sometimes like clear, but I can't handle seeing it. So I like white. So what do y'all tend to lean towards? So that also goes back to specific organizing styles. If you are somebody who falls into the out of sight, out of mind, having a clear bin with a label on it is going to be a lot more successful for you. If the visual clutter bothers you and being able to see through the clear bin, then we would go for something solid, whether that's plastic and white, whether that is some sort of wicker um, metal, even there's oper- opportunities and products out there for that. So really the product piece is highly dependent on what type of space are we trying to fit it into and mm-hmm. to what matches your organizing style. That is a big, almost fight that we have with some clients because we tell them, here's your organizing style. This is how we're going to make this fit into the, to the space. This is the categories that's going to be there. And they say, mm, I saw these really cute bins on Amazon. Or I saw these really cute bins on Pinterest. Can we add those? And I say, we can, but you can't be mad at me if it doesn't work later on because yeah. it's not, you know, fit for your organizing style. And sometimes they're able to overcome it. Other times they are one of those people that calls us back in three months and says, okay, can't do it. I don't like it. I don't want it. Fix yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we're the experts. We do know. But yeah, I can see that. Especially, I mean, as much as I love Pinterest, it's also like, uh, evil. <laughs> it's it overwhelming. Can be. It can be. And there's little things too. So a lot of people think of like the type of bin that you're actually using when it could be something that's not related to the type of bin, but it could be something such as, does this bin have a lid versus a drawer? For me, in my organizing style, if it has a lid, it's not happening. I will set stuff on top of it, around it. I will never actually take that extra step to open the lid and put it in the bin. And so drawers or open face bins work a lot better for me personally. Yeah, that makes yeah, same. That makes sense. Where's your favorite place to get items? Like, do you have a set place? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. I have been really, really impressed 
with Target's Bright Room line. That's probably one of our favorites. We shop that often and we have a lot of those specific products in clients' houses. Uh-huh. But then we also do a lot from Amazon. And because like you mentioned, with the Home Edit and Marie Kondo and some of the other stuff coming out, there's a lot more opportunity for people stepping into the marketplace with product and merchandise that caters to us as organizers and to people who are wanting to become more organized. So yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite, but there's so many options. There's a, a lot of options. Yeah, for sure. Maybe you and I can lobby to get the container store to come here. <laughs> I have tried. I have sent them emails. They don't really? respond to me. Yes. I, I would be in trouble so hard. Store, though. I would be in so much trouble. <laughs> I feel like between us, the closest ones are either Dallas or Oklahoma City. I'm like, this is the perfect middle ground. Why why can't we have one? Yeah, exactly. Well, the the Facebook group, the Mommy and our conversation community page is where we go to get a lot of questions. And we want to know, you know, kind of what content this group of ladies, it's a big group, what they're looking for. So I went to them and asked some questions, like, what questions do you want answered? And so are you ready for the questions that the mom I'm, I'm ready. Hit me with them. Okay. And I, I hope you got my email. There was a couple more that came in as well. Okay. First, and this is very relatable, organizing and purging can be very overwhelming. Where is the best place to start? Okay. So I actually have a system for this. I have a system for everything, but I have a system for this to help minimize the overwhelm, the chaos, uh, the decision paralysis. What I essentially do is I tell everybody to pick an area. Um, The smaller, the better. It's a lot easier to organize a really small closet and kind of get that momentum and encouragement going than it is to try and tackle the playroom, the playroom, right? So pick your area. The best course of action is to work in a clockwise motion, top to bottom, left to right, like reading a book. So if you are in a just, you know, a simple linen closet, top to bottom, left to right. If you're in a bigger area, like a walk-in closet or a walk-in pantry, it's more of a top to bottom, left to right, but in a clockwise motion. So can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Sorry. It kind of, that happens occasionally. Okay. So top to bottom, left to right. Yes. That is the best way to be overwhelmed. Or if you don't know exactly where to start, because you're just going to start kind of either on like the left-hand side or the left-hand side of a closet and on a shelf. That makes sense. Um, And you're right. I think if you get a little area done, then that gives you like you get excited and it's like you've accomplished something. So then you can tackle the next one and then like the snowball effect. Right. So, yes. Oh, it gives you an opportunity too. if you like, I'm sure you understand kids running around, things happen, things come up, phone rings, you get distracted. You have a very clear and concise spot where you stopped and where you can continue working from versus kind of going in and just pulling stuff off of a shelf or pulling stuff out of a room. You don't have a very, you don't have a good spot of where you left off or where to pick back up at. And that can create more overwhelm, unfortunately. Yes. I understand that one very well because where I have trouble is organizing my papers. Like I think, oh, I want a notebook. No, I want a spiral. No, I should do files. And then I lay it all on the bed. And then before I know it, it's like 10 o'clock and I just like stack them all up together. And then I have to start over the next day. That's Mm -hmm. like, Every other week for me. (laughs) Yes. It would be easier to pick your system and then work into it. Okay. That's good advice. I will do that next time. And then my husband travels a lot. So I kind of tell myself, I have to like make a mess before I make it nice. And so I'm like, okay, by Friday, this stuff needs to be where that's my goal to have it nice and clean and done. 
I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a real thing. And we have to have that conversation with clients to where we tell them, like, if we're pulling stuff out of a closet or out of a bedroom, it's going to get 10 times worse before it gets any better. And sometimes they'll come in kind of halfway through and they like walk in and you can see the look on their eyes, like, holy crap, what is happening? And I'm like, time out. Don't freak out. It's going to get better. You just got to give us a little bit more time. Yeah. You have to pull everything out and see what you're dealing with and how you're going to group it. So that makes sense. It's still overwhelming if you're somebody who doesn't like to see the overwhelm and all the clutter and you would rather just have it tucked in the closet away out of sight, out of mind. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that I love your answer to that because it's tangible. People can take this and they can actually do it in their homes. What room do people request the most? I would say it's the areas that you frequent daily. So kitchen, pantry, utility room, and then closets. Those are always the top ones. If we ever help clients unpack after moving in, those are always their top priorities to getting set. They don't care about spare bedrooms or even playrooms. Like they can live with that unpacked a little bit longer, but top priority is those those constant areas. Right. I mean, you need clothes every day to wear and you need food. So let's get that done. Yes. Okay. And I, this... This girl is speaking to my heart because I want this question answered really bad. Um, How do I organize my Tupperware? Okay, so this is a trick question because everybody's house is different. Some people like it on shelves. Some people have it in cabinets or in drawers. Um, The best way that I have found is to separate the lids and the bowls, which I know this is counterintuitive. If you have, I have a Tupperware set where the bowls are supposed to snap snap onto the lids. I separate out lids and bowls and nest the bowls as best I can. And then I stand up the lids. And normally I just pop in a drawer divider, especially if they're in a drawer. If they're in a shelf, you can use a platter rack or some sort of divider to hold the lids. But that is probably the easiest way to keep it from coming a colossal mess in a cabinet somewhere. Yeah. I'm trying to get more towards glass. You know, I'm like kind of easy, like working my way instead of just spending a whole bunch of money at once. Mm-hmm. But I definitely find that the um, the plastic's a lot easier to store. Yes. But it like multiplies. <laughs> it does. It can so easily. I wish that my glass would multiply because it's a lot more expensive. <laughs> I totally understand that. Glass, is, glass can be a little bit harder to nest too. They don't have as much flexibility and options when it comes to nesting. And so that's another thing. If you're kind of going to the non-toxic, non-plastic that route, you have to account for that because you'll need a little bit extra space probably than if you keep just regular plastic Tupperware. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then we're staying in the kitchen right now. What do I do with my pots and pans? And I'm sure that's similar. Everybody's house is different, right? It is. I do love um, a lot of home builders nowadays are doing drawers underneath ranges instead of full ovens. I absolutely love that because it gives you probably four extra drawers, two to four extra drawers than you would have normally had. And I love pots and pans in the drawer. And then I love platter rack holders um, for lids. So just a spot to like stand your lids up. That way they're not taking up space in a shelf or in a drawer. It works great. Yeah. I, I love drawers too, because I hate, I'm like on my knees, like digging in the back of the cabinet and yes, drawers all the way. So 1000%. 1000%. We should get all the home builders in Lubbock to just get on board with that right now. Absolutely. Okay. And this is where I need your help too. Tips for organizing an office. That's a very broad question, but I do love it. So 
Keeping offices simple, um, you want them to be functional for you. So like I'm sitting in our office now, we have everything tucked away that is not a constant need to grab item. If it's something that we use occasionally or might pull out as needed, it is tucked away. It's behind cabinet doors out of the way. If it's stuff that we use frequently, like pins and sticky notes and even label tape for us, we have label tape kind of hanging out because we use it so often. We keep it super accessible. Um, drawers and drawer dividers will be your saving grace in an office that's always going to help keep things organized and streamlined. Now, switching gears and going towards paper, I definitely recommend everybody get some sort of paper file box organizing system. Now, I say file box because they're a little bit bulkier. Sometimes they take up more space than what you might expect or might want. But files and a drop and go system are 10 times easier than sheet protectors or putting them in a binder or putting them in any sort of thing like that. I love, there is nothing I love more than a client who has a binder system or some other sort of system. And they say, I just can't maintain it. Well, yeah, you have to put it in a sheet protector and you have to punch holes in it and you have to put it in the binder. Like a file system with hanging file folders that is literally like, this is all my medical stuff, drop it in there and go. This is all my receipts, drop it in there and go. It's 10 times easier. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you energy and it's going to keep things organized long-term. Okay. This is exactly what I need. I'm that, I'm that client. I'm that person. I've got things in binders. I'm looking at five binders right now and I do have to hole punch. And then I'm like, ah, drop and go. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. I'm going to do that. Um, well, and I guess this kind of goes with a small space. Like I have a small office nook in our bedroom. Mm -hmm. Um, so what would you like, what's the best advice for organizing a small space? That's a trick question. Honestly, (laughs) it's okay. It's all good. Um, the key would be to keep the things that you need most out. Everything else would need to find another home, probably in some other spot or another cabinet, Um, just because if you're working there consistently, that is where you're doing most of the things. You don't want the extra clutter from things that you might only need once a month or once a week or excess supplies that I just need an envelope to send this check or mail a bill or whatever. You want that stuff out of the way. The stuff that you want access to and to be out and available is the stuff that you need constantly because otherwise you're going to get overwhelmed mentally. You're going to get overwhelmed with all the stuff hanging out on your desk it's going to get to you and you're at some point you're just going to throw it on the floor or throw it in a cabinet or in a closet somewhere and say, I'll get to it later. Yes. That's the thing everybody does. Absolutely. And I feel like it's also a good opportunity to like really dig deep and like, do I really need this? So we might be able to get rid of some things. I want to give you a quick little tip real fast. Okay. I have a rule and this can apply to small spaces such as your office. It can apply to craft rooms. It can apply to Playrooms, like it can apply to a lot of different areas, but we have a rule and we tell clients, if you have an area like that where you have things that you kind of need, but you kind of don't use often and not too sure about it or craft stuff, arts and crafts, um, I always tell them, if you can easily get that for us in Lubbock, Walmart, United, Target, CVS, Walgreens, if you can easily get those types of items and they are under a dollar amount that you feel comfortable with. For some people, that's $5. For some people, that's $20. If you can easily get them for less than $20, let it go. If it's not something you're using consistently, and I would say consistently is once every 60 days. So like for me, I am not a crafter. Yeah, I need a hot glue gun once a year. I'm just going to go buy a new hot glue gun every year that I need it. I'm not going to keep it hanging around. I'm not going to store it. Um, It's not worth it for me to try to do all that. Yeah, that. 
I love that because I had to have like a come to Jesus talk with myself about my crafting. And I say my crafting, my crafting I did years ago, you know, when I had more time that I haven't touched in five years. My mom taught me how to sew a little bit. She's very, very good. And it was her dream to have me sew alongside with her. And I just don't have the patience. And so I had all this material that I bought like, oh, that's going to be cute one day in a dress. And like stacks of material. And I had to like, Danae, come on, you're, you don't even like sewing, you know, like just donate it, get rid of it. So, so I finally did. <laughs> and it felt really how good. Long, how long have you been holding on to the material? Like how long have you actually had it in your possession? Like six years. Okay. Okay. This is another one, one year rule. If it's All not right. being used and you haven't used it in the last year, one year rule, it's time for it to go. One year rule. Okay. I could you know what? I'm going to get the urge and go through my entire house and use that rule. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to have anything left. <laughs> Clothes on our backs. That's about it. <laughs> You'll feel really at peace. You may not yeah. like what's on the walls and you may feel a little empty at first, but. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. This was a big one that came in. Um, you know, say someone's working a full-time job and they don't have time to take an afternoon. What are tips for implementing a larger organization project when there isn't time? I have a 15 minute rule when it comes to stuff like this. If you're super busy, um, even clients that like we come in and set everything up from the beginning, I ask for 15 minutes a day just to help maintain it. Most of the time it doesn't take the full 15 minutes, but if you're getting started working in an area or a closet or a room, using those tips for beating overwhelm and working clockwise, left to right, top to bottom, but then also implementing the timer clock as far as like, I'm going to commit to 15 minutes and get as much done in that 15 minutes and then I'm going to walk away. That will help because you'll know exactly where you started, exactly where you left off. You'll feel accomplished and motivated and encouraged that you got as much done as you did. And then you come back tomorrow and say, Oh, got all this done. I'm going to do another 15 minutes hard and fast as much as I can get done. And eventually it will all get done. Okay. That's a really good tip because yeah, if you come home from work and you're like, I'm going to do 15 minutes by the end of the week, more than likely the project's going to be done. So yes. that's manageable. It is. Sure. How, Oh, how do I purge my sentimental items? You know, this is such a tough question. I get asked this all the time. Sure. You consider yourself a sentimental person? No, I get rid of a lot of things. I if I have like one box of sentimental stuff for my husband, one for me, one for each kid. And, you know, if it's a, I don't know, if, it, if I spark a memory, a good memory, then I don't need to keep it. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I'm not very sentimental. And so this is a hard question for me to ask because it's not something I personally have ever had to struggle with. We do have a lot of clients who run into this. And the biggest tip that I can give you in the, in the moment and talking about sentimental items and how to keep them or how to get rid of them is the concept of what it means to you. There's a lot of people who hold on to things from deceased family members or um, I had one, I had one client, I'll tell you the story. I had one client who had a whole shoe box of pictures from boyfriends that she had dated. She had been married already like 20 years, like happily married. Like she loved her husband, but she had this shoe box of pictures with ex-boyfriends. And I was like, I think it's time to let that go. I mean, yeah. it's been 20 years. It's time. So the key is where, why are you holding on to it? Is there some sort of shame or guilt? We definitely do not want to hold on to things for those types of reasons. Um, if it is something that you enjoy or 
it brings up a good memory, then yes, keep it. But I feel like a lot of the times when we run into this question with clients specifically, they're holding on to things because they feel like they're expected to mm-hmm. um, because someone else gave it to them and it actually doesn't mean anything to them. Or there was maybe some sort of pressure from a family member of like, oh, you need to keep this because Aunt Susie said so or Aunt Susie gave it to you. And it's like, no, you don't. That's the honest truth. And I'm kind of a, a tough love person when it comes to situations like that where you don't have to hold on to those things if you don't want to. If yeah. it truly sparks joy, truly gives you the happy, warm, fuzzies inside, then yes, keep it. Shame and guilt, it's not a reason to keep things. 1,000%. I wish that I would have invited my mom in on this call because that's how she keeps everything for guilt and shame. Like, mm-hmm. and. And my mom does try to guilt me into keeping some things like, how can you get rid of this? Or how can you get rid of that? And I'm like, I'm because, because it's not meaningful to me at this point. Or, you know, I think of something else brings more meaning and I can't keep everything just because somebody gave it to me. And, you know, so we're opposites. And she says she's trying to get better, but she literally walked into my five-year-old's closet the other day. And she said, or I say the other day, like six months ago. And she said, Hadley has no clothes. And I was like, yes, mother, there's only seven days in a week and we have a washing, a washing machine and dryer. So she has more than enough clothes. And she's like, okay, (laughs) I forget how you are. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot when it comes to sentimental items, um, that relates back to generational ties. So like if you, if your mom was raised, if your grandma was raised either in that depression era or coming out of that depression era, it's really hard to break those ties. It's really hard to like, if you had to keep everything cause you didn't know if you need it or it might have another pur- purpose or another use or have other, some other sort of resourcefulness. It is so hard to break that. And it's, I mean, it's literally like they have been living that for their entire lives. Most of the time, it's not one of those things that you can just go in and say, Oh, we don't need it. Let's just declutter. Let's just donate, whatever. It's not going to work like that. There's a lot more psychologically that has to happen to have them let go of those things. And you're fighting a lifelong battle essentially. Yeah, that completely makes sense. Um, my friend and I were talking about the other, that the other day, like the people that are, were born or living during the depression is like, you had to keep things and my mom, she does live, she lives in Mason, Texas. I mean, it's a little bitty town and the closest store is like 45 10 minutes to an hour away. So I get that she keeps things because they're not accessible where she lives. So that's part of it for sure. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it is hard to break that cycle. I think our generation is doing that. And so who knows where we'll be in the future. <laughs> I, I 1000% agree. It's going to be interesting to see if 20 years from now, we look back and be like, why don't we give sets of China at weddings? Because our generation is not having it. There's a lot of people that are letting that tradition go out the window. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny you said that because my grandmother is giving me her China and I, and it's exactly, um, it's exactly what I would pick if I was going to pick China. It's very simple white with the platinum ring. Mm -hmm. And, but I told her, I said, I'm not going to display it. I am going to display it so people can see it, but I'm going to use it. It's going to be our primary, you know, dishes because it's not made to just look at It's made to use. So, and she probably won't like that, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll think of her every time I use it. So that's important. (laughs) There you go. That's what it really is about. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, Ooh, this is juicy. Have you ever had to deal with a hoarder and how did you approach the topic with them? 
So yes and no, I have actually worked in a hoarder house. Um, unfortunately, the lady who had lived there had passed away and it was really her daughter who was needing to get the house cleaned up, get everything sorted, get it out of the way so that they could list the house to sell. Mm -hmm. So went through the hoarder process, but did not have to go through the one-on-one -on -one hoarder process necessarily. Um, I will say that was like one of those projects that I was very naive and inexperienced in. And I will never do that probably again, just because it's a lot more than probably anybody realizes. And I realized that as I got into it and even talking to the daughter, she wasn't, she wasn't what I would consider a hoarder, but it's easy for those tendencies to come out. And it's easy to assume responsibility or thoughts or beliefs or whatever from somebody else. Like her mother had already passed away. She was, she knew she needed to get the house cleaned out. But because her mom had kept all this stuff, there was that lingering question in the back of her mind that was, should I keep this? She kept it for a reason. Should I now keep it? And yeah. so it just kind of creates like a mental a loop that you don't necessarily want to be in. Mm -hmm. I will say I have like a, over the past five years, we have kind of kept a running joke of like our oldest item that we have ever found. And even when we're like one-on-one -on -one with clients, we'll be going through medicines or like beauty products or something and say, oh, this expired in 2017, you know, whatever. Oh. And so we kind of have a game within our, our team of like who can find the oldest thing, whatever that thing is. <laughs> and my, um, that hoarder house was one of my, you know, very first projects that first year in business. And I found a check from 1974 and it was crazy to think like I, that check was older than I had been alive. Yeah. And it was absolutely fascinating. And it's like my claim to fame. I still have a picture of the check. Like <laughs> it is my thing. And like one of these days, I'm sure I will come across something that will beat that date. But for now, that is just awesome thing for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is, I can't imagine that y'all have a lot of those for sure. Especially when it comes to like medicine and food and pantries and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. So back to like pantry organization, what's a good like system? Cause I organize my pantry every other month and it's, if you went into it right now, it'd be like, oh my gosh, like this is so unorganized because you get different food at different times. And I, I try not to overbuy food because I don't want it to pile up because then I can't see it and it goes bad. Mm -hmm. um, so what is kind of your, your top tips for someone who's, or, who's wanting to stay organized in the pantry? So it's, it's going to depend a lot on organizing style. The pantry though is one of those areas that everybody's going to frequent, whether you are, it's you, your husband, your kids, whether they can read, whether they can't. Um, and so you essentially want to find the weakest link and what, whoever that is and whatever organizing style that is and make it match to them. Cause that's going to be the only way that they can maintain it long-term. Yeah. Okay, if you have something that is, um, so say, say you have canisters in the pantry and say you have canisters in the pantry and you have it very detailed and defined organized. That's great. But your five-year-old is not going to be able to maintain that. Mm -hmm. Also, if you have everything labeled and expect, Hey, this says rice, rice goes here. That's fine. Kids don't care. Yeah. They're not going to read it. That's not their thing. And so it has to be set up as simple as to what they will be able to maintain it, especially with kids. So with that, we try to remove all barriers, all barriers. So nothing with lids when it comes to like baskets or bins or anything along those lines. We also try to make sure that if they can't read or are under the age of being able to read, adding some sort of visual label versus a word label. So instead of saying snacks or goldfish, we try to put some sort of picture with it to make sense in their mind what works. Um, 
The other thing too is this, I see this a lot among married couples. You'll have one person who loves canisters in the kitchen or in the pantry or whatever. And you have the other person who's like, oh, here's the bag of flour. I'm just going to pour it in. (laughs) You have to match in that, in that situation, in that setting, that person who just likes to pour the flour into whatever, that is going to be the person with the the lesser, I guess, the easier, more simpler organizing style, they will probably have a really, really hard time going into that more difficult, more complex. I know it sounds crazy. Like a canister is not complex, but for their brain, it's extra steps that are unnecessary, essentially. It's always going to be a struggle between those two as to what they'll actually be able to maintain. And nine times out of 10, whoever has, whoever the person is that has the organizing style who loves the canisters is always going to feel like they're cleaning up after the other person. And so pantries, pantries and kitchens are kind of a difficult one because you do want to make sure that you're setting it up, not just for the organizational style of the main person, whoever hired you, whoever did the consult, that kind of thing, but for the whole family. And so those are kind of some of those tough conversations that we have to end up having. And sometimes if you have one of those organizational styles where you don't like canisters, sometimes people do step up. Sometimes the other person says, you know what? It's okay. We'll just have all of our baking goods in this bin. You can pour flour straight out of the bag. No big Mm. deal. There's a lot of compromise in that sort of situation. I won't compromise on that. I have to have canisters. That's fair. There's a lot of people who do that. And they just basically tell their husbands, they're like, don't touch it. Leave it alone. I will handle it. And it works. Yeah. Yeah. The other day he's asking, it's like, where's my oil for the oil for the, um, his, his griddle outside. And I'm like, it's with all the others. And he's like, mm-hmm. he didn't know what I was talking about, but I do like canisters. The problem is I can't make my mind up on which set of canisters I like the best. Mm-hmm. So right now I have a Mod Podge and that irritates me. You'll, you'll find one that you'll like, and then you'll be stuck with it until you find something else. Yeah, exactly. I just need and to you'll do it all. You'll change it all again in, in a year or so. <laughs> Absolutely. But it does make sense with the kids because I'm thinking about it right now. And I mean, the snacks are out of reach for my five-year-old and I don't know if I want them within her reach though, because she won't stop getting them. But I do Mm -hmm. need to, I definitely need to apply that whenever I'm organizing my pantry because that's important with the five-year-old too, for sure. Do you have your pantry set up with like very defined detailed categories where like, here's the fruit snacks, here's the applesauce, here's the goldfish, here's the chips. No, I have kids' snack box, my snack box, like quick dinner stuff like that. Okay. Cans. That's probably the best. We see a lot of people who do fall into that more defined and detailed organizing style that try to set up their entire pantry like that. And your tastes change, your things that you're cooking consistently change. Kids will, you know, love goldfish and then suddenly they just decide they hate them and like something else. And so there's some areas like that that we tell people go with more of a flex style instead of having applesauce and goldfish and chips, just put snacks, just keep it simple. Just make it flexible so that if a month from now they decide they absolutely hate goldfish, you can just put something else in its place. That makes sense too. Yeah, for sure. Cause my, yeah, my little list is always changing her mind on what she likes. Um, and I, I assume like with the toys, that was the, the next question. Toy organization is probably very similar Mm -hmm. to the pantry, right? Yes. A lot of times parents are the ones who they want the more defined, detailed, 
super organized. All of these types of books go here. All of these go here. Or you get into like dolls and they say, well, here's the American Girl dolls. Here's all the shoes. Here's all the clothes. Here's other accessories. Kids' brains normally, especially I would say under the age of about 10. 10 is kind of the age that we see those organizing styles really start to develop. Um, And it can change depending on how mature they are and whatnot. But that's when it starts to click and make sense in their mind. Otherwise, you tell them, go pick up your toys and they throw them all into one bin to them. That's logical. That makes sense in their head. So having a simple system that is easy to maintain and kind of releasing control and giving grace in that situation. There's a lot of parents who we have to tell them, you know, your kids don't, don't care if it's as detail organized as, as it is, as you think it needs to be. Um, And they will go in and reorganize 10 times over and the kids won't ever maintain it. So I always, I always like to put expectations on there if they're super little or under the age of 10 that you have to go with whatever's going to be the easiest, whatever's going to be the most simplest, and know that they are probably not going to put it back however you had it originally, unfortunately. 1,000%. I tried to do picture labels and like dolls and got really detailed and it was me that ended up cleaning it up all the time because she was like, whatever. So now I'm just like two big tubs. They go in. We're good. Mm-hmm. Stuff it makes it so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Do, okay. Here's a random question for you. Do you toy cycle? Do I, oh, do I like put some up and then bring them out? Yes. No, because she actually plays. I thought about doing that before, but she plays with everything. Um, but I'm also big, like at Christmas, they're only allowed to get like three presents and only one, like two from the grandparents. Like I really put a, a, a cap, a number on what they can get. Cause I don't want them to have a whole bunch either. So. Yeah. I know we have a lot of people who do toy cycle. I'm not a super big fan of it just because I feel like if you can take it away for a month or two months and give it back, like they've already forgotten about it. So they probably don't miss it unless it's like one of those core, core favorite toys. Right. But it's always fun to see kind of who does, who does it and who doesn't. And it's normally the same thing. Either they toy cycle or they're just like, nope, we're just going to keep a very small amount. It's going to fit in this much space. And if it's over that, then we got to get rid of them. So, yeah. And they say it builds imagination too. Like the less toys you have, you really have to get imaginative. So I 1000% agree with that. Mm -hmm. And I can see it in our clients' kids who I've watched grow over the last five years who, you know, we set up those toy rooms five years ago and you can, you can really, you can see it kind of play out over time. Mm -hmm. Well, my last question from the mommy, well, actually I I came up with this one because I want to know I'm nosy. What is like the funniest thing you've ever come across that, I mean, that you can tell without telling too many details, I guess. Everybody, everybody asks this question and I just have to like tell them, use your imagination. If you can imagine it. I have probably seen it. Yes. Unfortunately. I mean, uh-huh. like literally money. I'm, if you can imagine, if you're sitting in your head and you're thinking, mm, I bet she's seen some things. You're right. I have seen okay. it all. <laughs> seen it all. <laughs> probably more often than not, right? Oh uh, yeah. More than people would probably realize. Yeah. Okay. You, you run into it all, but that's like one of the beauties of like getting to work with people in an intimate setting and you're in their space and you're in their life. And it's also like one of the greatest parts of like, you have to find the person who you trust and who you connect with and who you actually want in that space because otherwise it's not going to, it's not going to end well. So. Yes. Yes. So if you're listening, you can trust, minimize and organize with your secrets. They are secret keepers. <laughs> you can trust us with your secrets, but also like, we're just going to have fun. So. Yeah. We always make it fun. It sounds it sounds fun. I mean, in my mind, like, I mean, it just sounds like an awesome job. Like, I I love it. Absolutely. 
and it's for every person very satisfying too it is very satisfying but for every single person like you who thinks it would be fun and enjoyable and there is like probably more people on the other side that they're hearing the words organize and declutter and go through go through things and they're like cringing inside they're like oh my gosh please don't make me do it yeah that's true that's very true and those are your clients right those are the people you need um, can you tell everybody how what the best place to get a hold of you and kind of um, what to expect and, you know, kind of like your timeline, because I'm sure you're pretty busy. So if they wanted something done, give them a, a timeline of, of what that would look like. Of course. So we are on social media. So we love Facebook. We love Instagram. Um, we have a website, minimizeandorganize.com. My cell phone is on there. So if you ever just like want it, people literally will take pictures and be like, what bins fit here? What do you think would look good here? And I'm like, here you go. Don't know who you are, but here you go. <laughs> that does happen on occasion. So you can always reach out that way and get in, in contact with us there. Um, timeline for stuff. We try to have about a two to three week turnaround. So if you like called today and said, Hey, I want to schedule a consult. We would try to get a consult within the next three to four days. And then from there, get everything scheduled ideally within the next two weeks. Now, like you said, when pray to homes and some of the other big event type stuff comes around, that timeline kind of goes a little bit farther out, but we try to keep it simple we try to keep it fast and especially striking when the iron's hot. If you are encouraged and motivated to do it now, we would much rather have you on board when you're in that phase of encouragement and motivation than whenever you're annoyed and you hate it and you don't want to do it because that's not fun. Is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners that we didn't kind of go over today? So I have a little secret project behind the scenes that I will share with you. And then it will probably be published by the time that this is revealed and rolls out and everything. Um, We are starting a podcast. (gasps) We are super excited. It's going to start out with more just like solo episodes that are informational, um, learning based workshop style. Um, but then ideally like probably this summer we'll get into more like interviews and have some other people on who kind of help give guidance whenever you're looking to declutter, looking to organize, looking to simplify your life. But we are super excited. It's going to be a great resource for somebody who maybe isn't ready to commit to hiring an organizer or want, I don't know, there's some people who still just don't want people in their homes and I can totally respect that. Right. So it's going to give you another form, um, of, knowledge to learn things and apply them and then come back and tell us if it worked or if it didn't or what you liked about it. And so we're really, really excited. That's so exciting. Like podcasts are so much fun and I will probably be your number one fan because I already listen to like minimalist organizing things anyways. And I follow a big, a lot of people on Instagram that do that kind of stuff. And it just, I mean, I could hours of just looking at things and listening because I like it. So, but I love, yeah, you're right though, because people that don't want someone in their home, at least it gives it somewhere, them somewhere to start and that, those tips and advice as well. So I love that. That's full circle. It sounds like it's going to be great. It will be. We're excited for it. Well, Cabri, thank you so much for taking the time um, on this snow day. This is being recorded on the snow day, our first snow day, <laughs> hopefully our last. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. It was a lot of fun and I, I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you for having me. This was awesome. And I am looking forward to more in the future. Maybe we could throw together like a podcast tour or something for all the the Lubbock podcasters or something. Oh, yeah. That would be absolutely amazing. So, yeah. I will be in touch. And whenever this comes out, I will definitely tag you and I will send you the link. And um, and in the show notes, I'll put all of your information as well. Um, So, again, thank you and have a wonderful day. 
Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Moms in the Hub podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it on Instagram and don't forget to tag us. Have a wonderful week. 